0: is cracking y'all. Welcome to The Chosen Ones. I'm your host, Joseph Richard Powell. I will be interviewing incredible human beings who are making an impact, living a life they love, and are hella good at what they do. From base camp to the peak of success, we are closing the gap between life barely lived to life on fire. Let's go. Hello, everybody. We have the one and only Daniel on the podcast today. We just had a little bit of a brief introduction. I had to get caught up on all the incredible things that he is doing. I'm going to provide a quick introduction on your behalf. I've been creeping you a little bit on social media here and on the net and Googling you, so I know we can't always trust everything on the internet. You know, In this regard, it should be okay, but correct me if I'm wrong here, but just want to dive in, and then I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit as well, but I just want to touch on some really amazing things that you're doing that you've been up to and things that we're going to dive into deeper. But some ventures that you've been on and created, such as ShareShed and Key Living, you've been involved with Airbnb. I don't know too much about this, and I wanted to keep this conversation fresh so that I could learn a lot with you here today with the listeners. And just some really interesting things that we were just speaking briefly that I said, it made me even a little bit nervous that I'm talking to you because <laughs> the podcast is new, but you've really done some incredible things and a few things to note your top 30 under 30 for BC business, a Canadian G20 delegate, top student entrepreneur in Canada, and top three globally, which is just blows my mind. You've spoken in front of youth up to 20,000 youth on We Day, and some other things that I just had to make notes of. That you've been to China, traveled to China and Australia, and I think there's some backstory with Australia with some of your ventures. And I've also lived in Taiwan myself and taught English over there. And surfed in Byron Bay and lived in Fremantle and Perth. And that's still the best place on earth, in my opinion. And uh, Byron Bay is, yeah, it's such an amazing
1: little ecosystem there.
0: Yeah. I was traveling with, shout out to Keith, one of my good buddies here in Vancouver as well. We did kind of the trip around the continent over there and he physically had to come, he was living in Surfer's Paradise and he physically had to come to Byron Bay. I was living in the back of our camper van and and dragged me out of Byron Bay, or I'd probably still be there today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I lived in surfers as well for a bit, but uh, we won't go there. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) a whole, yeah, we got some good stories for that one for sure.
0: (laughs) But, anyways, Daniel, if you don't mind, including myself, we're going to be BFFs. I can feel it already, but this is the start of a new relationship. But I would love to learn a little bit more out of your own words, you know, get you to kind of boost yourself up a little bit and share all the incredible things that you've done with the listeners and with myself. And then we're just going to kind of ride this thing out and see where we end up. So I can begin with, uh, I'm from Vancouver as well. I actually live in Toronto now. Where in Vancouver do you live? So I was downtown for about eight years. I just moved out to Burnaby now. You know, I was the guy who said, I'm never leaving downtown. And then I started my personal development journey. I was like, I need a break. I need something quiet. And now I got, you know, my condo is my podcast studio and office. And I was actually going to say to you before we started recording, and this is probably good for the listeners to hear as well, as I do face Kingsway. I got a beautiful view, but we are kind of the highway for ambulances. So <laughs> actually, right. I talked about that in my first episode. So you might see me yeah. popping on mute for a second or two when they're, you know, I'm kind of high up. So they look like little miniature yeah. The ambulance is cruising all the way down. But um, course, but yeah. One I'm, of the
1: only diagonal streets in Vancouver, right? It used to be a railway line. That's why Kingsway is such a strong artery.
0: Yeah, the main the connector. Yep. But um, also, originally from Ontario, a little a shout out. I always say this uh, shout out to GB Grand Bend, a small town in Ontario, and got some friends in Toronto. So it's kind of like you and I are doing the flip here. Yeah, I know. I
1: know. Most people go the direction you went, right?
0: <laughs> Away but, uh, from the cold. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it back.
1: I think this is my last Toronto winter, but I'm sure people who live a Toronto winter say that every year. But yeah, I'm from False Creek area, Vancouver. I grew up in Granville Island. Um, incredible
0: community. Oh wow, you're yeah. a legit local. Yeah, I got I got a couple buddies here <laughs> that are you know proper, born and raised you know downtown Vancouver. You're a rarity.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's funny. Even I was an entrepreneur in residence at Hootsuite as part of a program called The Next Big Thing for a while. And people would ask me where I'm from and I would say Vancouver and they'd be like, no, but where are you actually from like, before you moved to Vancouver, right? So yeah, it's similar in Toronto too, right? It's a rarity. I think on our team, there's a few people that are from Toronto, but a lot of implants. So yeah, from Falls Creek, had a great upbringing there, spent a lot of time actually while we're talking about geography. My dad. Side of the family is from Quadra Island. So I spent a lot of time on the island growing up. So that was a lot of fun. I would spend summers building our motorbike track fully off the grid. My aunt and uncle and cousins grew up and live in the home that my dad grew up on, which is just like, you know, a 20 acre property in the middle of nowhere, Quadra Island, which is 150 kilometers north of Nanaimo. Anyways, not a geography lesson, but still holds a very <laughs> special place in my heart and hope to make it back soon. Always have been an entrepreneur. I've always loved to build. Even just thinking about my upbringing, my time on Quadra. As a kid, we would go out and we'd build forts. My uncle is a true lumberjack, has his own lumber mill and goes from, you know, being the solo lumberjack in the woods, cutting down trees all the way to milling the trees or chopping them up for selling acres of firewood. So we had unlimited disposal to lumber growing up. We just always loved to build. We loved to create. And we create some pretty significant little forts growing up, you know, for kids. We had a motorbike track that we built a really cool space in. We had a five-story treehouse that, unfortunately, some of the platforms getting up to have rotted now or else it would be like the number one Airbnb in, uh, in BC. My dad has a property or a family home on a lake on Quadra that was a giant bluff that he actually dynamited, DIY dynamited in the early 90s because he couldn't build on it. It was just a bluff going into a lake. And there was so much loose rock that he started to stack up the rock and create rock walls all around this property and then developed an obsession with building rock walls. So it's it's a really cool, still to this day, no cell phone reception, no road access. You have to drive like 30 minutes down a gravel mountainous road and then take a boat in or hike in. So growing up, just a lot of building and not just building with my hands, but also just building from an entrepreneurial perspective. I would go and pick moss from the uh, railroad tracks in False Creek and go sell it door to door for five dollars a bag when I was five years old. For those who live or have spent time in Vancouver, if you ever uh, spent time on the Vancouver seawall in the 90s, I was there every day selling Kool-Aid. I would say Kool-Aid for sale, pick your own price, because whenever I sold it for 25 cents, people would complain. So (laughs) as soon as I said pick your own price, it was nothing but loonies and toonies and the odd $5 bill that I would get. So that strategy actually hired other kids in the community. And next thing you know, we had the entire seawall covered for pick your own price school.
0: I'm running a monopoly um, on the Vancouver yeah, seawall.
1: Yeah, they think they're supporting other people. Uh, but all this, trickled this up is our the same source. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, Canada Day was the craziest, right? It's Canada Day and Granville Island was bonkers. You started a clothing line when I was in grade six, I designed my initials on Microsoft Paint. I don't know if you remember Microsoft. Oh, yeah. Paint, but it's yeah. the only one I it's the only one
0: I still know <laughs> how to use.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So like heavily pixelated. I spent like $500 in grade six on getting my logo vectorized, which hurts to this day. But I went into a store, Justin Stitches in Granville Island, and I presented my logo on Microsoft Paint to them and wanted to get it custom brought into my clothes at the time. And I don't know why, you know, I'm in grade six and just an idea. And they laughed at me. They thought it was cute. And then they said they have minimum quantities that are required. So I could buy wholesale and start a clothing line. So started a clothing line, thought that was a great idea. (laughs) Instead of going door-to-door selling moss, I was going door-to-door selling t-shirts, hats, and jackets with my initials embroidered into it. And then instead of selling Kool-Aid on the Vancouver seawall, I was doing pop-up shops. Stopped that in high school. just thought it wouldn't be cool anymore to have a clothing line and the pressures of elementary school student making the transition into high school. But that lasted like a year of me not building and and creating. In grade nine, I launched my second clothing line. I went to Kitts High for what it's worth. So spent a lot of time in that area. And those are my very much my stomping grounds to this day. Feels like home. Yeah, that company was a lot of fun. I learned the power of a brand. I learned the power of creating something that was bigger than yourself. It very much had its own identity and its own feeling. And we had different sales reps in different schools, and it was just a lot of fun and an incredible journey. I started a laneway housing company when I was 18, so we converted garages to small homes, and that was right when the city started to actually have uh, legislation allowing laneway homes. And I was just so fascinated by the impact that you can have on space, even going back to building forts on Quadra Island, which never comes up in podcasts or conversations or whatnot, but it's true, like it's in my DNA to build, right? And to be able to take a Vancouver alleyway that is not the most pleasing site, you know, it doesn't have any community or anything really going on. It's just like, you know, some crappy roads and where people put their garbage and transform that into a community to have you know, a thousand square foot homes that still have parking space. And yeah, it was just a a lot of fun. That went on to my cousin and I buying 198 unit residential development. So we went on to buying land, getting it rezoned, getting development permits, getting financing. So over the last 10 years, I've really cut my teeth on the real estate side, but most of my focus has been on tech. So I did that trip to Australia. We can go as deep as you'd like to go, but Found inspiration of a world that I want to create, the world that I experienced as a backpacker, of having access to anything I could ever want without actually owning things. And
0: I know that I know, you know that lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know it all too well. Byron Bay and yeah. Silver's Paradise. Yeah. I want to chime in here, but I just yep. your journey is so incredible. So I'm just gonna let you kind of I want to bring it right up to today, and then I'm gonna start kind of picking at it a little bit. But I do just want to say, being from a small town, And then at 19, my sister had actually went to Taiwan, and I went to visit her, and I was like, this is it. Like, I got to see the world. It was my first time. And I came home from that trip, sold my T-roof Camaro. (laughs) Nice. You know, I was roofing at the time, and I saved up, you know, a couple grand, and I was straight back to Taiwan. And especially Taiwan from all places as the first place you really travel was just such an eye-opener. And just the life experience and how much you learn from from you know, I'll never forget, I think it was the transition between flights. I think it was, I flew to, from Toronto, I think it was LA, and then I think it was the LA was the direct to Taipei. And I remember, I was by myself, and an outgoing kid, so I could get by, but I'll never forget stepping on that plane. You know, I was on the plane from Toronto to LA, and it was a bunch of people from Canada and the States, and it was everything you'd expect to see. And then, transitioning onto the flight from LA direct to Taipei and I got on this massive you know biggest plane I've ever seen in my life and then also realizing I'm definitely the only Canadian you know this is going back I don't want to date myself here but this going back quite a ways like Taiwan is almost kind of a bit more popular now than it was then but I'll never forget getting on that plane and that feeling of culture shock of like okay we're doing this and then landing in Taipei and they don't have English on the signs and I don't speak Mandarin like okay I got you know, what did I get myself into? And just, you're forced to learn these incredible life lessons. And a great one is the minimalistic lifestyle, like you're talking about of having very few items. And I've always traveled a lot. Even when I came back from Taiwan, I was an iron worker and I traveled around Canada and built Costco's. And then it was off to Australia New Zealand. So I never really had a home. It's still, whether that's commitment issues or (laughs) or, or what that is, but I do, I feel like I've always carried that, Minimalistic approach. Even today, it's funny. I've this place I'm in Burnaby here now. It's just probably going on near two years, and I just got a couch about you know two months ago. Really, <laughs> it was legit. It your, So, question: Is it your first couch that you've ever owned? No, I've lived with roommates and stuff, and we've had couches. <laughs> yeah. When I started my personal development journey a few years back, I really went all in. I got rid of my TV and you know everything. So, essentially, my living room was just an office. I'd either be sleeping or I'd be pretty much working or I'd be out. But yeah, it was a real big accomplishment for me to purchase a couch. <laughs> so, anyways, it's uh I really can relate to what you're saying in terms of that idea of you know, just that minimalistic and being an Australian backpacking. And me and my buddy Keith, like I said, we owned a camper van and we lived in that for a year. So if it wasn't yeah, it something sense. you used every day, it wasn't in the van.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And there's a piece of advice for people graduating college where they say, Don't buy a couch. I don't know if you've heard that oh, don't no. buy a couch because As soon as you buy a couch, then you need a place to store the couch and then you're tied down to that couch in a certain way, even though it's like it's the first step towards, you know, not being able to necessarily be a minimalist. Another uh, just interesting point, our first owner resident in Key, 47-year-old, works in tech from Tasmania, actually, so from Australia as well. He's been saving up to buy a place and find a place that he's comfortable in putting his roots down well-paying job, but still like with so many of us locked out of the housing market, right? It's just the narrative of drive till you qualify as, as you know, as a realtor, right? It's just really difficult to actually get in. Yeah. So he never bought a couch. He always rented furnished rentals until he actually could save up to buy. And then he just bought a home with key for only 2.5% equity. And we have a partnership with a company that does furniture as a service. You could buy furniture off of them, or you could just lease it on a per month per unit basis type deal. So it's kind of cool. 47-year-old owns his first couch through our ecosystem.
0: That's incredible. And this is actually a big part of, I spoke with Mark yesterday about Key to learn as much as I could about it. I really want to touch on that subject. Let's keep going here because I think we're about to get into the meat and potatoes about how we're going to end up at Key because I think that's kind of the the big topic of the day. But
1: We can go in a lot of different directions. Let's just, I guess, summarizing a, a bit more of the journey is, Went to Australia, just was highly inspired by the rise of the sharing economy. Ended up starting two venture-backed companies in the space. One was called Share Shed in Vancouver, where you could rent kayaks, canoes, stand-up paddle boards, any type of outdoor equipment off of locals. And then the other one was guides.com. So with guides, you could go backcountry skiing. We had intro to ice climbing. So you go ice climbing just outside of Squamish. And we had exchange students who have Never been on a hike before. And next thing you know, they're climbing up a frozen waterfall. We had trips to climb up to the top of giant old growth trees that most people even from Vancouver have never witnessed, you know, trees that you could fit 20, 30 people just on the stump of some of the old growth that have been cut down, right? It's pretty incredible. And then from there, uh, you know, sold my company. We can dive into that entire journey if you wish. But yeah, joined Airbnb full time, moved from Vancouver to Toronto. And at Airbnb, I witnessed firsthand Some of the challenges of creating an ecosystem of of home sharing. So, sold my companies, um, joined Airbnb, moved from Vancouver to Toronto for Airbnb, and incredible experience there, a job of a lifetime, had a lot of fun building. I think, you know, once you're bit with the entrepreneurial bug, I always want to be creating. And I knew it was inevitable before I started my next company. But Airbnb truly was the most entrepreneurial role I could imagine, a ton of autonomy learned about just growing a highly exponential organization our growth was somewhat unprecedented so learned a ton had a great experience and witnessed firsthand some of the challenges of building ecosystems for home sharing so i thought abundantly of what would it look like if we actually created entire buildings where everyone was an owner and we actually used passive investor capital In cities like vancouver you have so much investor capital most of it foreign that's buying these units and then renting them out, or else they're sitting empty, and it's impacting the affordability crisis. So, how can we leverage that passive investor capital to actually help owner residents own yours sooner, and make buildings that are home share friendly, where it's principal residents, right? You have cities regulating where now they're going to principal residents only, and you have stratas, HOAs, condo boards that are all going to no short-term rental whatsoever. So regulations are hitting Airbnb from both sides. And yeah, it just felt like real estate's so binary, right? You're either an owner or you're a renter. Most people are stuck renting on the proverbial rental treadmill, locked out of the housing market, or you're fortunate enough to get into the market, which is usually from the support of the bank mom and dad, if you will. And then you're locked into a long-term mortgage. You have to maintain a certain lifestyle to be able to service your debt. So it's hard to be a true, you know, feeling like a minimalist when you have to Be on the treadmill, right? Uh, I was
0: just going to say, it's almost like you tied in that element, right, of how can I be an owner without, you know, someone like myself with commitment issues. It's (laughs) the perfect answer in in some cases. Really,
1: the value proposition that we're creating is a world where you have the benefits of owning, but with the freedoms of renting. So everyone's month to month. You can now own a home with around $15,000. The more equity you own in your suite, the less rent you pay. So every month, you can choose if you want to own more of your suite, which means that contribution is compounding in value with what the real estate market is doing, while also providing a reduction to what would be a monthly rent. Or you could sell twenty grand and go travel to Taipei, or fund your wedding, or whatever you'd like to do. Right. Um, So really, the vision is to create a world where real estate is truly a source of freedom and prosperity for everyone. So. It's not something that's locking you out of the market or locking you into the market, but it's unlocking this lifestyle similar that I experienced in Australia or that you experienced in Australia, right? Being able to have freedom, but also being able to get on the housing ladder to own a home years year sooner. And we're working with plenty of realtors that have a lot of clients that are locked out as well or value their freedom,
0: which has been a lot of fun. And I want to get into mindset with you. It's one of the things I want to talk about, but it's such a forward progressive approach that you're taking being in vancouver and with a you know 10-year background in the world of real estate it's brutal people who live great lives they have great jobs they're the perfect candidate and they cannot afford to buy a home and it's you know we were talking about earlier it's the number one conversation in vancouver is the affordability crisis and
1: oh yeah that bike
0: lanes (laughs) hey i'm for bike lanes i'm not a big Uh driver but i got a camry so i just you know I don't even take the highway. I'll just hop on Kingsway and throw a podcast on and I'm chilling. But, uh, you nice. know, I'm all for the future vision and Vancouver is just such a beautiful place. So we just got to get rid of the rain. It's, uh, you know, if you can't use a bike path for eight months a year, then I, I understand the frustration. <laughs> I was
1: just going to say, in Toronto, it used to take four years to
0: save up for a down payment, right? Four years.
1: That's a lot of time, but it's not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. You could work hard, you could, put, you could save up and you can get in. In Toronto, it now takes 21 years on average to save up for a down payment. So you're graduating college at, you know, 22 years old, you're not going to get into your mid 40s. In Vancouver, it's even worse. It's 29 years on average to save up for a down payment. This is an entry level condo. So until you're in your late 40s, and by the way, that's today prices, right? This idea of housing prices going up faster than wages means that that number is getting further and further out of reach. So it is crazy. There's lots of efforts to try to regulate this market, but ultimately it's a market, right? It has supply and demand and there's a ton of demand. Vancouver has an incredible brand You have a lot of uh, foreign investment, specifically in Vancouver, and even without foreign investment, it's such a livable, incredible place to live. There's, you know, 50 to 100 other cities around the world that are in similar situations as Vancouver. And yeah, we need to look at this differently if we're going to actually have people that aren't going to be displaced, where you talk to someone, you ask where you from, and they say Vancouver, and you don't respond back by going by like, where are you actually from? Because everyone's moved to Vancouver and the people from Vancouver have been displaced or moved elsewhere, right? They're all in Victoria or Cowichan or
0: the Okanagan, right? Mm -hmm. And I just respect so much the mentality. Uh, It's so easy. I guess I'm a little bit in the world of social media with the pandemic and how you know it's just not the kindest place to be living right now. And there's just a lot of naysaying and there's a lot of pointing towards politicians and whoever about things aren't working yet when it comes to take action. And that's one of the things about, I kind of got into some activism and coaching and volunteering in the last year because I didn't want to be the person who just sat back and complained and didn't take action in, in a way that I thought was meaningful. And you are just such a prime example of someone who saw a problem, which is the greatest problem for many people here in Vancouver, and decided to say we're going to go after this and I'm sure that you've ran into probably about 150,000 good reasons why maybe you should discontinue the idea but you decide to continue with the eye on the prize and see the bigger picture of it and something like this when you say supply and demand aside from the market the demand for an idea like this for Vancouverites is just it'll change the world and you know once it catches on in one place and you're just people have a right to be able to own a property. You know, I understand it's a global city and it's expensive and there's reasons why it's expensive. And you know, I live outside of downtown and I'm in the real estate world myself and I make a, a, a decent living. And I understand, of course, maybe not everyone, including myself, should be able to own a detached home in the West End. But there is a level where we should be able to afford our homes and have that peace of mind and ownership. And I just really respect that you are the guy who's willing to step up and say, okay, there's a problem here and I want to address it. And what I'm going to do, because I had a chat with Mark yesterday about exactly what this is. And, and, and word for word, when I spoke with Mark, I said, look, I'm in the background. I know the gig with real estate, but in terms of really going deep with investing in that kind of stuff, I'm not the smartest with that. So I, I asked them to explain the concept to me as if I was a six-year-old. <laughs> I think that's, nice. I heard that on the office once and I use it all the time because yeah. it's just the way my brain works and understanding it's kind of how it goes. And in case there's anyone who's wanting to really dig into this idea with Key and this incredible idea of making home ownership attainable in Toronto and Canada and Vancouver, I'm going to put some notes to connect you in the show notes for sure about how to learn into this because I honestly feel like we could spend even me and Mark were supposed to chat, I think, for 15 minutes and it was 45 minutes and I just had a million questions about how it works and really getting into the details. So I'll make sure for anyone listening, it's such an incredible idea. And even just to learn about it, whether you're actually someone looking to get in the market or or if you're an investor and how it all works and Mm -hmm. just to learn because it it really is incredible. But I want to ask you a question about mindset because for the listeners here in the early days, who are probably my old man and, and my sister, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know my my good close friends, you're like, oh my god, why did I get on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. No. Happy to support. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The entrepreneur mindset of supporting each other is always yeah. appreciated. But uh, we're going to the moon with this thing, nice. so the early <laughs> listeners and, and guests are going to be yeah. well noted. But the people who know me on a personal level know that mindset. I'm a licensed NLP practitioner, CBT uh, certified CBT prac. And, you know, mindset to me is just, it's the most interesting thing to me and the most powerful Mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, because essentially how we view the world with our mind, that is our reality. Our, Our mind creates our reality. And I just think our perspective is so important. So mindset is just something I'm extremely passionate about. I could talk about it for ages. And when I meet someone like you, I consider myself a similar type of person. And I have to ask the questions because it's so easy with these bigger tasks of, you know, taking on a big project like you're taking on with Key and with all the ventures that you've been on to find a reason to not do something and to kind of overcome that and to say, you know what, I am going to be the person that's going to take this on and to be optimistic in the approach of the optimistic mindset essentially of just knowing that things can be done. Where does that come from in you? I think you answered it with your story a little bit of how you've kind of, you were this person from quite a young age, but I respect that perspective on life so much of appreciating a challenge and going after something big, because it doesn't mean you haven't faced the challenges that, especially in the real estate world, the red tape and working with the government and that kind of stuff, it's unreal. So where does that come from? Is it just the passion inside of you that just lights you on fire? Is it this, you know, FTW mindset and you can't tell me nothing? Like what's the, what's the (laughs) gig here? (laughs)
1: What's going on in that head of yours? Well, mindset, yes, is is everything, as you know. I've always been an optimist, and I think if I wasn't an optimist, then I'd be in the wrong space, which is entrepreneurship, really, less so about real estate, but just around entrepreneurship. You need a a level, I wouldn't say blind optimism, but definitely cautious optimism and know when you need to lean in or when you need to make adjustments too, right? Because ideas never end up being in the world the exact way that you envisioned it at the beginning, right? So I think having the mindset of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it sticks, being able to not be married to your idea and make adjustments along the way, to be able to really be building what you love and and um, starting with the end in mind, if you will, of being able to understand that the hard work and dedication that it takes day in and day out, and some days are more of a grind than others, some days are filled with rejection, and I heard the. Peloton story was around 3,000 no's to get to a yes. I feel like we're going to be a close competitor (laughs) to Peloton for how many rejection emails I've received as well, because we do give brain damage to some extent for the way that everyone is so stuck on putting us in a bucket in the way the world currently works, right? Are you a co-op? Are you a REIT? Are you a rent to own or a lease to own, right? We're just like trying to figure out how the world currently works compared to inventing something, going zero to one is not easy. But if I look throughout my entire childhood to now, I've always loved zero to one. Like I could care a lot less about entrepreneurship that's one to many. You know, for example, my dad has a carpet cleaning company, very small, one employee, very entrepreneurial, both my parents entrepreneurs. So it's, it is like very much in my DNA. Yeah. I care less about, you know, taking a company and maybe growing it compared to doing something that the world hasn't seen before. And ShareShed was that way. The sharing economy didn't even have a name at the time. It was called the rise of collaborative consumption was the one TED talk on it that, that introduced me to this notion of access over ownership and being able to have access to underutilized assets and create marketplaces to give other people exposure to it, right? So a mindset, I guess, is just sheer sheer founder will. It's not being complacent or satisfied or taking necessarily know for an answer of me going up to all my professors when I was 20 years old in college and asking about collaborative consumption and no one knowing what it was and cold calling people on Google to try to learn more and trying to understand how to start a website by cold calling web development Vancouver, which is a terrible way to start. And we could talk about how to make your ideas reality without cold calling people on Google. But I drove from Vancouver to San Francisco and I directed a film series on the sharing economy where I met with Airbnb when they were just a startup to interview them and how they see the world. And this is like early days, right? This is I met with people from leadership from Google and Facebook, first ever co-housing space. So the first branded co-housing space where they actually had a ton of people that all pooled in and were able to rent a mansion and then another one that called the embassy at the time in downtown San Francisco bowling alley in the basement and community events every Sunday night of just show up and, you know, fill out a Google form to figure out what you should bring, you know. Back to mindset, It's um, I think there's a mindset of continuous learning, continuous development, the idea of, you know, continuously trying to have a small feedback loop. You mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy. My wife is a psychotherapist and my number one accountability buddy and we meet constantly and just hold each other accountable for what our daily goals are from just before opening up my computer for my first meeting to closing out my day
0: nice and, those uh, and rituals
1: re- yeah you need yeah. those yeah yeah for sure and as, you know they're not always 100% consistent you know my routine has changed a lot but what is consistent is is using business as a you know a personal development engine disguised as a business endeavor of like really trying to take it personally wow um, Yeah, any challenges that I've had, like to be the 100% owner of the business, you know, of like anything that goes wrong.
0: That's such an incredible statement and incredible way to look at it. Something that I, that kind of was poking its head out at me when you were telling me all that as well. And going to the zero to one, it's almost like you have that passion in that part of it. Because as a coach, I've worked with a lot of, I used to coach Coaches and entrepreneurs. And then I did well in that path. And I said, wait a minute. Business was never the reason I got into this. Is you know, I left a successful real estate business because I wanted to, you know, pursue other things. Somehow, anyways, I found myself back on that path. As, you know, the path is a windy one until you really get clear on your purpose and your passion. But what I was gonna say is coaching sometimes entrepreneurs. A lot of times they have the end goal in mind of making the money, and it's not about the business and and the building of the business. A lot of times I'd have to say, you know, no matter what business you want to do, if it's selling things on Amazon or or whatever it is, it's not easy. So to just be like, I want to start a quick side hustle, it's like that's not necessarily always how it works. Mm -hmm. And I think like I'm just a sponge when I talk to people like you because this is my passion and to learn from every different mindset I can who's successful in what they do. And what I'm learning from you is really having that passion, enjoying that zero to one. And I think when you do something to build it because you enjoy it, the success is going to come. It's harder when you're just looking for the success and doing everything for the success. There's not enough motivation in that, For at least for myself personally. I have to really enjoy what I'm doing. And that's why I love in this podcast talking about the early chapters of the success story, the zero to one, because that's where we get the details because there's a lot of people who grew up in Vancouver who are going to be listening to this, who are just like you. And it's so hard to sometimes connect with that person today with everything that you've accomplished, but to see a few pieces of that journey and how it comes to fruition, I think it's really incredible. But something I have to say that you just said at the end there, which is blew my mind is looking at it from a personal development perspective. And I I'm just thinking out loud here as I speak, but helping people to discover their purpose and live a life they love and do something they really enjoy doing. That's really my passion. That's what I'm here to do on this planet. And what we do for a living is so important nowadays because that's all we really do. We work, the system has gotten to a point where we work so much. We've also changed our beliefs where once upon a time it was to have a family and to own a home. Now a lot more people feel like they want to make an impact. They're delaying having a family. They're in work for much longer. So I think more than ever, it's really important that we're aligning what it is we do in our business life with what our values are as a human being. And you just said that in such a powerful sentence about looking at it from a personal development journey. And that's really, I can't personally go to a job... For me, and it's not necessarily a healthy way to be, but if I'm not passionate about something, I'm out. You know, real estate, I still love that. I still love that concept and I'm still involved with it because there are pieces of it I love. If I'm doing something I don't love, I'm miserable. I have to get out. I have to change it. Luckily, there's Life's too
1: short, you know? Life's too short to be doing something that you're not passionate about. And it's okay to, once again, begin with the end in mind and- go through things that you might not necessarily be excited about and go through the hardship and face adversity. But as long as you're building towards something that you're truly passionate
0: about or that you can feel really good about bringing into the world, right? 100%. And what I want to ask you is, because there are these entrepreneurs who have this hunger and they want to build something, I find a secret piece to the life puzzle myself is, I kind of define purpose as doing something that you're good at, whatever our gifts are, and using them And what we enjoy doing. I know it's not, I don't plug that. That's not the equation that I use. But over the last few years of my life with the personal development journey, there's been a secret part to that equation, which is really, I feel, the secret to life and fulfillment and happiness, which is giving back and helping other people. Has that always been a driver for you or, you know, being an entrepreneur from six years old, where was the fork in the road of saying it's time to really do something impactful and meaningful and Mm -hmm. You know, looking at it from a perspective of maybe not necessarily being an entrepreneur, but how can I do my part to give back? Has that always been a mindset that you've had? Or there was specifically a moment, and that was speaking at We Day. So, for those who aren't familiar,
1: We Day is the most incredible conference. You can't buy a ticket, you have to earn a ticket through access service. So, raising money for nonprofits and volunteering at nonprofits. Yeah, it's for high school students only. So it's all the high school students in British Columbia, as an example, are competing to be able to earn a ticket. And it was at Rogers Arena. There's 40,000 people, right? 40,000 seats in Rogers Arena. Other speakers include people at We Day or like Magic Johnson, the Dalai Lama, uh, Kofi Annan, the McLemore, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. The list goes on, right? There's like all these big celebrities and also people that are just making a massive impact in the world. So for me, having the opportunity to share the stage with such incredible people and just to feel that energy, that environment of like the roof is going to just blow off from passion about wanting to change the world, like high school students who just care so deeply. So often you lose that once you get into college or you still have that energy and you're dreaming so big and abundantly in college and then you get a job and Maybe over time, you lose that initial drive and then initial excitement that you truly can put a dent in the universe. So for me, I just promised to myself at that event on that day that I've always been an entrepreneur, whether it be selling moss at five years old or it's, you know, my clothing line in elementary school and in high school. But I just I promised to myself that I'm only going to use my time and energy to work towards things that really move society forward in a meaningful way. Because there's a lot of um, so-called dumb challenges that we have entrepreneurs working on, right? And it's not necessarily a bad thing and not judging to each their own and follow your passion. But there's a lot of tough challenges that people aren't working on. And yeah, there's just there's more and more opportunity on a daily basis to tackle one of these massive challenges that exist today. Like home ownership, just one of so many. There's so many environmental impacts. That's part of my inspiration for home ownership is Al Gore spoke to our team. He said 30% of carbon emissions in the United States are from concrete right? We're building unsustainable. So if we can align the interests of the developer and the end consumer, then we can actually make a massive impact when it comes to the environmental sustainability of this infrastructure. Right now, you don't have that alignment of interest. You have developers who build as quickly as possible on minimum standards to then unlock pre-sales and return the capital to investors. They don't install LED lighting because they don't actually pay for the lighting or the electricity after a year and a half of running the lights, right? There's so much more that Key can do by unlocking institutional capital, buying entire buildings, unlocking this new alignment of interest, allowing people to own a home year sooner, putting in geothermal or all these different new technologies that haven't been adopted because there's not the incentives to even allow those to be adopted in the first place. But anyways, if anyone is you know, looking to start something, I'd highly recommend reading The Lean Startup. Or investigating a business model canvas, and then just being
0: able to have the mindset of rapid iteration and testing. Yeah, that is such powerful advice. And for someone who's been through it, you know, more than once, it's sometimes someone has a startup and they they're an entrepreneur and they start a business, and for whatever reason, they're successful. For someone to do it time and time again, there there is a system, and you know that's what we're doing here. Is we want to talk to people like you, get advice from people like you who have that mindset and that hunger and just really want to take their life to the next level and don't really necessarily know how. But anyways, you're a busy guy. I really appreciate (laughs) your time here. You are an incredible human being. And I just really want to say thank you on behalf of the human race of making the world a better place. We're going to put all the show notes in for ways to connect you. Is there anything you want to say in the sense of uh, where to find you and what you're up to in that regard? Anyone who wants to
1: connect with me can just go through you and you can connect us. I'm happy to be of resource to any of your listeners and super excited for this new podcast here and happy to help in any way I can to bring it to the moon.
0: Thanks, man. You are the bomb (laughs) on that note. Thank you so much, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Amazing. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yes. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Chosen Ones. If you did, if you could leave me a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. I know life is busy, so I truly appreciate you taking the time. Please also feel free to subscribe and share. You can learn more about me at mastersoflifesociety.com, where you can also find The Chosen Ones book and podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Masters of Life Society, where you can find the videos of these episodes as well as my social media shorts. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Joseph Richard Powell. Thank you so much for your support. I love y'all.